We're welcome to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined today by Cheryl Shaw and Kimberly Cole. Bell, um. sorry. <laughs> Hello. Hello, I got there eventually. That's all right. So did I. I got here eventually. <laughs> what have we got lined up for us today? Well, I'm going to be talking about not feeding ducks bread. What? Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. I like that one. It's a good topic. Are you not supposed to? It's a bad plan. Such a bad plan for the ducks. Right. Okay, mm. then. Greg's quite shocked at that. I am. I yeah. always thought that was hand in hand. I know. They mm. love it, right? Yeah. But mm. like, would you kid, feed your kids everything they just wanted? True. And yeah. you're probably just feeding your kids bread the whole time either. Because <laughs> 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 so I do have a question for you, well, both of you. Mm-hmm. I might as well take advantage of this while I can. Yeah. Let's um, do it. What is it, Greg? It's my dog at the moment. He just tears through toys like no tomorrow. And stuffy toys and things? Yep. Yeah. And even when I get like the ones that say these are indestructible. Yeah. What's, what kind of dog have you got? Uh, it's a Jack Russell. Okay, yeah. And yeah, it within probably about thirty minutes, he'll find it, the weakest point in it. In it, yeah. And then there's stuffing everywhere. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. I've got I've got one of those too, like a toy destroyer, um, and she's super super set on like she she chews until she finds a nice little corner, and then she just sits there with a single minded like chomp 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 mm. chomp until I get a hole and then pull all the stuffing out. Um, you just have to find different toys, really. I mean, dogs are meant to play and tear up their toys and things like that. And if you've got an endless supply of money and cheap stuffy toys, and if they're not ingesting the stuffy t- yep. stuff, it's probably not a bad idea. But, um, or it's not a bad option, I guess. Mm. Um, but the reality is it's messy and there is a risk that they can ingest a bunch of the fabric and that's not super good for them. Um, and like, I just try to find more indestructible toys, hard rubber, um, or nylabone type things. I'm not a big fan of bones themselves because we see a lot of problems with, um, on the minor scale, fractured teeth and things like that. And on yep. the major scale, we'll get dogs with constipations, gastrointestinal perforations, lots of you know problems like that. So um, I wouldn't feed my bone, my dog a bone. I wouldn't recommend you feed your dog a bone. But there are some good bone safe alternatives where pieces don't fragment off. And so um, nylon chew toys, um, hard sort of Kong-like rubber things um, can be quite good. Um, I don't know. I've got a rope toy at the moment that my dog's going through, but she still manages to pull out the little fabric. And I don't think that that's super awesome, but at least it lasts longer than 30 seconds. The rope toys do last longer. Mm, They do, yeah. They're equally messy, mm. I find. But they also do pose a bit of a problem if they are able to get those strings out and then they ingest those. So you do need to make sure if they're playing with the rope toys that that they're not sort of all fraying and and Mm. they're ingesting those. And sometimes too you'll find dogs with the Kongs, they don't want to play with it unless you've really um, not just given it and left Mm. it there. If you can smear some peanut butter on it or put something on it that they want to go and chew that at that that can sometimes encourage them because I know my dogs would never entertain a Kong whatsoever mm. they're quite calm with their toys yeah. they just sort of often just lay on the toy rather than chew it yeah. but um, every dog's different yep. <laughs> but um, but making sure that you're interacting with the dog and, and getting them to start playing with that Kong can be a way around it because sometimes you give them the Kong and they just sort of go oh, no, I'm not whatever. interested yeah. in that yeah. and um, but a lot of dogs too are going for the squeeze things that are inside the toys. Once they get them out, they're usually quite happy. You can stitch the toy back up again and there you go. <laughs> well, that's the problem is you don't want them to swallow the squeaky thing as well because yeah. yeah, then yeah. they're going to be squeaking every time they bark or is that just, is that, or is that just another myth? That yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've have lately, I'm having good luck with sort of rubber bone-shaped toys, but they're sort of like a firm rubber yep. um, and Finney seems to like to chew and mung on them. She's not pulling pieces off 
but they're not um, they're not actually a, like a Kong where you stuff something into them. Mm. But she's quite an interactive you know, players actually really is quite interactive with her toys. She'll, over the course of an evening, go back and forth to her toy box about six times, each time pulling something else out and it gets somewhere yep. between 10 and 20 minutes worth of, you know, time. Mm. And then she's like, oh, let's, what's the next toy? Let's go to the next toy. So, yeah, I think it, it is just finding something that your dog will, A, engage with and B, that's sort of tough enough for them. Um, and, you know, as long as you can, like supervise them. I guess it's yeah. always really about supervising. If you're starting to see um, bits of cloth and fragments of, um, you know, stuffy stuff, fluffy stuff coming through the poop, that's always a good hint that um, she's, you know, they're ingesting it and probably time to get rid of that toy, find something else. Right. So, mm. I usually get to it before. Gets as soon as I see point, stuff yeah. everywhere, it's like, all right, well, that's all picked up and yeah. that's and, gone. And some dogs, it, they just are really enjoying the the pulling things apart and shredding it right yeah. so like my lounge room is frequently full of fluff you can vacuum and come back 10 minutes later and it's like where is the fluff coming from still um but yeah you just have to you just have to watch them and supervise and, and things and and i think looking for something your dog's obviously looking for an outlet to you know interacting with toys is great but she's obviously looking um for an outlet to you know burn off some energy yeah. so sometimes giving them the toy after they've been for a nice walk sometimes that can be you know almost a calming activity it's like oh i've had some exercise now i'm just going to sit here and and you know chew on one of these yeah. bones or kongs or something like that yeah. Okay, right, yeah. And well. if they're not chewing on that, they'll be chewing on your lounge. So you need to make yeah. sure yeah. that your dog has things to chew. Mm. Otherwise, it'll become destructive mm. behaviour on your furniture. It's, it's only chewed on the lounge once, I can tell you oh, that. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> Keep those toys up, yeah. Greg. Yeah. He got a very loud yell coming his way after the <laughs> chewing on the lounge, but he's never been on it. Well, he still goes on there, but... Not chewing. Not yeah, he's chewing not chewing anymore. Yeah. Mm. No, but other than that, it's good. So hard toys yeah, the way to go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, firmer toys, something that's a bit more robust. All right, cheers. Mm. Thanks. No I'll, worries. I'll try and pick some up. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> pet chat on two when you are And Cheryl, you mentioned about this myth that I'm going to say. A myth? Well, that we shouldn't food bread to ducks. That's right. Look, you know, Mary Poppins has got a lot to answer for. That tuppence, you know, <laughs> feed the birds, tuppence a bag. For ducks and other wild um, birds, bread is one of the worst things you could possibly be giving them. It's full of carbohydrates, it makes them fat, it's got no nutritional value whatsoever. It's like feeding junk food to them and we don't want to go doing that. The other thing is that we've got to be remember that if we are feeding birds, they're going to become reliant on us to feed them. And so they'll then become lazy. They'll forget how to forage for food themselves because if something's always being provided, it's just going to make it so easy for that bird just to come along and get some handouts and then go off and, you know, have a full tummy. But unfortunately, when we're feeding bread to, dog, um, to dogs, to birds, <laughs> one of the problems that we have is that they're getting no really good nutrition from that. So for uh, uh, the problem is if we've got young birds that are being fed the bread, they don't develop normally. And so some things happen to them that is going to be at their detriment. So instead of them forming nice legs and nice wings, they actually become um, a problem for them because they don't develop normally. And then if they don't develop their wings normally, they can't fly. And Kimberly, this is a really big problem with the angel wing syndrome. Yeah, so angel wing is basically a syndrome where, it, and it's usually because they're being giving a high energy diet um, higher than what they require and it actually causes almost like a forced um, speeding up of the growth of the long bones of the wings and the feather development and because things become very heavy and the supporting structures the ligaments and the muscles haven't sort of kept up it actually causes the wings to sort of turn under and you end up with the wing tips sort of 
um, I don't know how to describe it on radio, but the wing tips, instead of sitting nicely against the back, they actually turn out and, and they they're sort of backwards. pointing backwards mm. and out to the side. Um, and they become fused there because the weight of the wing tips is too heavy. The, the muscular structures can't pull them in. So the bird's not able to pull those wings in tightly against themselves. And they it, it happens over the course of maybe 10 or 14 days. It's really, really fast. Um, and it's just about virtually impossible to reverse it. Um, once it's developed. And it does mean that the bird forevermore, the the um, soft tissue structures basically drag the bones around and then the bones and the joints fuse in that abnormal position. Once they're there, they're there. There's no fixing it. Yeah. And those birds become, they, they're rendered flightless, essentially. And this is mm. a thing they then can't get away from, you know, predators. Predators they, and, and things, and, yeah. Yeah, and then they succumb to being eaten by some other. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, too, if, we, uh, if we're feeding lots of bread, particularly in the waterways, if we're sort of, you know, throwing bread into the water, this can create a really big... Um, eco problem as well because then we're going to pollute the water we're going to get algaes growing there those algaes are going to affect the other um, critters that are living in the water whether it be crustaceans or fish and other algaes and different um, sea grasses so it's really important not to be throwing you know bread at the seagulls or the ducks so this is something that a lot of people do but it's really bad for for our ecosystem mm. The other thing with feeding bread, it also brings around other birds. So you might just be thinking you're feeding a, a couple of ducks, but suddenly you've got a overpopulation of other birds coming as well. And then that can lead to aggression. So you have these birds that start fighting each other because as the pecking order comes in, the ducks might have first feed and then comes the crows and the cockatoos. But also because you are feeding and, and encouraging more wildlife into the area, disease can happen more. Mm. So we end up with different diseases. And Kimberly, what sort of diseases come around when you've got a lot of birds? Yeah, so I mean, the biggest one that we think of in Australia is um, beak and feather disease, citizen mm. beak and feather disease, which we used to think was just in, you know, parrots and cockatoos and lorikeets and things like that. But we're actually finding um, that virus can get into other species as well. It doesn't probably cause the devastating results that it will cause, but it absolutely 100% has been um, linked to um, communal feeding you know people yep. put out um, boards with seeds on it seeds seeds and um, bread is equally um, evil for for birds I'm afraid and so people will put out um, seed pl platters for cockatoos they'll get the cockatoos and things coming in and the corellas um, and they intermingle and you're bringing the the beak and feather disease virus in nice and close and everybody gets exposed and it's pretty um, it can be pretty horrendous so um, so yeah, it's it's one of those tricky sort of things. It's it's certainly nice to watch the birds interact, but we would prefer you to watch them interact in their natural habitat with their natural diet. Yeah, and the other thing too, some people feed bread that's actually mouldy, and this can mm. cause really bad problems with their lungs, and different diseases can come through. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing too, bread and crumbs of things hanging around is going to bring a lot of different vermin. So you're going to get mm. everything from cockroaches to mice, and then to rats, and that can have an impact not just on the birds, but also also on humans and mm -hmm. also on dogs because mm. if you've got the rats around, we've got leptospirosis. So yep. lots of things are happening that you don't realise. You think you're just doing a good deed to feed these little birds something, but at the end of the day, it's really causing a great big problem. The thing that these birds, if they're relying on us, they're not learning how to go and, and find their own mm. food source. And this is really sad. If you were to go on holidays for three months and you've been feeding the birds, well, for three months, these birds aren't going to have you there yep. and mm. you're really 
letting down the ecosystem. You know, these birds need to go out and, and forage for themselves, yep. learn how to find their food. And that's just going to keep everybody a lot happier. Mm. Right, so don't feed. <laughs> don't <laughs> feed the Fruit. birds. Yeah. At all. Look, At all. I, I actually had a... Um, not even a hot chip. A wildlife... No. <laughs> especially not a hot chip. No uh, seagulls. and carbs. Um, I actually had a wildlife carer bring me a, um, a young a juvenile magpie uh, last week. And he's like, the bird just can't fly. He's constantly out of breath. He's had a cough. Um, and so we x-rayed the bird, did a full exam, couldn't find anything wrong. But that bird is fat. He's a fat bird. Now, he's been in care for a few weeks, but I suspect that he's a juvenile bird who's being fed, probably. You know, people like magpies like to stick very close to home. I suspect this is a bird that's, you know, been fed. So he's gotten fat. He got himself into some trouble and he got picked up by a carer because he was in some trouble. Whatever that was has passed. But he's now now spent another three or four weeks in care and he's not flight fit anymore. They actually can't, like, we need to release him. But he's too fat to fly properly. Um, And so that bird is now also very, like, habituated to humans, Humans. humanized and habituated to humans. Um, And he is, you know, the kind of bird that's going to be a problem bird or has the potential to become a problem bird later on down the track if we can release him back out into the wild. Um, You know, those birds are sometimes the ones that become swoopers and things like that. Mm. So lost their fear of humans, but, you know... Maybe still territorial if they're hormonal. Anyway. Okay, it's better chat on to when you are FM. Just don't feed bread <laughs> don't to, feed to bread birds. To birds. Yeah. Don't feed wild birds. Yeah. We've got Eva Lisa from Hamilton, and she's got a 17-year-old male dissects cats who yowls very loudly at night. Hello? Hi. Yes. Hello. So this is, a, this is something that's new that's happening with your cat? Yeah, it's, it happened to some degree earlier, but now it's for the last, Six months, it seems to be increasing. Yeah, and it's because only at night, is it? I only usually at night. Sometimes, very rarely during the daytime. Yeah, and is your cat otherwise well? He's eating, drinking, toileting yeah, pretty normally. Eating and drinking, and and she's interacting with the other cats. Yep, they are actually brother and sister. Okay, so they they they've lived together all their lives. Sure, and, and they are as such in a good condition. It's yep. just this. Howling. Yeah. So the things that I would be concerned about. So first of all, um, if they haven't been up or if the the old boy hasn't been up to his local vet recently, I would take him up there and just get them to do a proper health exam and maybe some blood work on him. Because one of the most common um, old cat diseases that we see is hyperthyroidism. That's when your thyroid gland becomes overactive and it uh, causes an increase in the metabolic rate. And so a lot of these cats will become restless. They'll become more hungry, they're often losing weight, they're often drinking more water, but not always. Um, And we certainly will see um, a high proportion of them who just become very noisy and chatty more than, you know, what you think. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I would definitely have that because that's a treatable disease that um, can make a really significant difference. They had blood tests done in um, February. Okay, yeah. They were okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then. Okay. Yeah, so just make sure, because sometimes it's a separate, um, like a little add-on test that you have to do with it. So just check with the vet okay, that they have yep. looked at that. And and it doesn't hurt to see whether or not there's any weight loss happening between February and now. We're, we're into June no. now, or July no, almost. he seems to be... Great. About the same as, okay. as he usually is. Yeah. So then the other sorts of things that we're thinking about is whether or not there's something else going on either in his head. Um, although it's not um, 
as common or maybe as well documented as it is in dogs. We certainly can see sort of cognitive declines in cats as well and sort of dementia type syndromes. Um, and, you know, in, in dementia, they talk about the, um, the, um, what do they call it? Sunset syndrome or whatever. Yes, but you know, where right. they can't, yeah. you know, don't yeah. sleep. They're, it interruptions to the sleep wake pattern, basically, where you know they can't sleep very well at night, but they're sort of sleeping through the day and up through sleep, the night. Sleep a lot during the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing would be is whether or not there's um, other cats. If your cat is still, you know, cognizant of the fact that there's other cats in the neighborhood who are prowling around at night and it's distressing him more um, than what it used oh, to, because maybe okay. he's, you know, feeling a bit more threatened now, or there's a new new cat in the neighborhood. So there's a few different things going on, but this is definitely the time just to check back in with your vet and just make sure that everything is going okay that way. And they may have some good suggestions for, um, uh, you know, some supplements and and diets and things that might be able to help um, if there is a cognitive issue. Okay. 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 Yeah, we can try that. Okay. Thanks. just would like to have a nice a nice calm sleep, yeah. A nice sleep yourself, because I know that when when cats get noisy and yowly, they're um, they're pretty noisy. Oh, he can be. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Good luck okay. with that. Thank you so much. Thanks. So we'll have a quick look at our dog of the week, which is Bonnie, a six-year-old border collie no, no. cross. Six weeks. She's just a baby puppy. Six oh, weeks. Those photos are cute. <laughs> she's so cute, but she's a border collie. And the, yep. So border collie looking for a forever home. And seems to be a very friendly dog, by the way, judging by the look of it. Yeah. So, I mean, she's a Border Collie. So they're super, super intelligent dog, uh, dogs, plural. Um, they're really, really fast learners, but they have really big brains. They um, need to be kept entertained. This is not the kind of dog you're going to get and expect it to be a couch potato. Um, this is going to suit a family who's really active, who likes to go outside, who's got somewhere, um, preferably somewhere off leash, so that once she has a really good recall, she can go and chase a ball or chase some toys and be off leash and run around um, because these guys are designed to be chasing after um, sheep. And if you don't have sheep, she'll need to run. (laughs) She'll need to chase a ball. She'll need to chase something. Um, So, you know, somebody who's got a really active lifestyle who um, wants to get out and do lots of exercise. Um, Border Collies don't do very well if they're just getting, you know, a a slow 30-minute leash walk once a day. Um, That's not enough stimulation for them. And you'll find that they develop lots of um, behavioral problems, um, destructive behaviors, uh, a few other, you know, fun things. So So you need to um, get get them running and... Yeah. I mean, we need to get her to grow up, right? She's a puppy at the moment. Puppies still need to sleep and you have to build them up to that. Um, But, you know, we want to make sure people are doing their research before they're looking at what kind of puppies they're getting. And if you haven't got the lifestyle where you're going to be able to um, entertain this dog and and make sure she's got adequate exercise, then she's probably not the right puppy for you. They're they're nice dogs because they're sort of a medium-sized dog. They're not too little. They're not too big. Um, So they're really, really popular. But uh, they are one of the dogs that I think people buy inappropriately um, because of that size. You know, they're, they're a good size and they're a happy, friendly dog for the most part. They can have some anxiety issues. Um, but we just need to be really cautious about the fact that, you know, they, they really do require quite a lot of work uh, in terms of exercise and things. Um, but she's a nice, very sweet little puppy. It doesn't say what she's crossed with, but she looks like a border collie, maybe short-haired mm. border collie. <laughs> Well, looks like, yeah, 
It just says we're border collie cross. So, cross, yeah. So yeah. Question, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> so she's and she's a proper puppy. So this is a puppy. You're not you're not getting any baggage with this dog at mm. this stage. Yeah. So that's really good. There are some real benefits, um, but they're also a lot of work, right? Puppies are hard work. Yeah. I love dogs. Yeah. I think puppies are hard work. Yeah. <laughs> they are hard work. Especially those first six months. <laughs> yeah. Six. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. So hopefully, if you've got room in your house for a puppy, that might be might be one for you. And we've got Kerry now from Fishing Point, and she wants some advice on how to stop feeding wild birds. Is it better just to go cold turkey? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kerry. Um, Hi. Yeah, so I think that it's a bit of a tough question. I think at this time of year, if you have birds that are already reliant on you for feeding, then it's definitely worthwhile weaning them off probably because um, you don't want to end up on a, you know, a really, really cold morning with a bird who's used to being able to come and get their McDonald's breakfast um, at your your back porch. And if that just suddenly stops, um, you might find that you have birds that are a little bit, um, you know, sort of like lost and and they it can it could be detrimental to them. So I would, you know, do 2 weeks of like backing it off to every second day and then I would go probably to twice a week for another 2 to 3 weeks um because what's going to happen there is that they're going to get hungry, they're going to start looking for food, um but if they're not particularly skilled at it, they're going to have a bit of a backup to come back to for a couple weeks um and so they can build some skills and build some fitness to go out and foraging on their own. Um but within about 4 4 weeks you should be able to get that, you know, pretty well stopped. We just probably don't want to do it cold turkey. They are wild birds and yep. they are water birds. Um, yep. So these are all um, um, seabirds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's dreadful to confess um, that I feed seagulls. Yep. <laughs> My husband hates it. Um, but those, we don't always feed them every day. Sure. Um, so what, but what we've ended up with is quite a gaggle, yep. which is probably not the right term yep. for mallards. Okay, um, yeah. So we we have, and they're beautiful birds. Mm. Um, and with those, um, I only buy for them, and I feed them once a day, and sometimes not even every day. Yeah. Because if they don't all turn up, but at the peak season, we can end up with like there could be ten or twelve of them. Yeah. Um, um, but I only buy wild. Uh, like wild bird seed that um, had the right combination of seed. Yeah. And I don't overfeed them. I just put a, a small set of little mounds around yep. and, and that that's all. Um, but um, I do think because they have become accustomed to it, in yep. fact, they yep. happily mix with our cat um, and they, they will even will come into the boat shed. Right. And, um, yeah. The door is open. Yeah. Um, looking for food, and that's not good. No. Um, the seagulls, I don't, um, uh, I don't, we don't feed bread ever. Uh, the seagulls basically, they just get scraps, you know, if you yeah. cut up the chicken and you do that. And again, I try not to do them, and I refuse to feed any of them when there's a crowd coming. It's just yeah. silly. Yeah, um, yeah. And the other ones that we have, of course, you get, you know, you do get kookaburras who come down and and say, well, how about us? Um, you get when the season's bad, we might we have a currawong that's been coming in for years. But currawongs and magpies, we find very, very different. They will only ever take one small piece of food, and they don't come back. They only <laughs> take one and go. Right. Okay. 
But Kerry, it's really good you're going to stop feeding these birds. I'm, I'm really impressed by that. Yeah, there was a there was a magpie that landed on my roof. The roof of my house uh, must have been last weekend. We had there was four of them that sort of swooped in. My daughter and I were getting into the car, and they all swooped in. And one of them had. Um, uh, hamburger bun like it was like oh. a full hamburger bun and everybody they landed on my roof and everybody all the other Swooping. birds sort of swooped in try to get some um, yeah listen I, I think in that instance I think um, probably you could you know cold turkey them or at least go you know back it off to once or twice a week for a couple of weeks and then just stop um, unfortunately even the wild bird seed that you're giving wild birds aren't meant to eat preserved bird seed and preserved bird seed is not healthy for birds I spend a lot of my day with my um, my avian clients trying to convince people and, and discuss with them that actually bird seed is like potato chips for birds um, so we don't actually recommend feeding bird seed to any birds either <laughs> Never have done it. Otherwise. <laughs> That's okay. I That's cook up, give them a bit of. I cook just a bit of rice and sprinkle a bit of rice around. Yeah. No, no, Kerry. We're, just let them forage for those natural grasses in uh, on the lawn. They will have a great time there. They'll they'll take all of those seed heads off. You won't have weeds. Just let them hmm. forage for themselves. Well, they eat the seaweed. They they, yep. they actually feed themselves out of the lake. So that's good. Well, I will I will follow that. And then but the other thing is. Um, how do I, you know, it's really an obsession that I have. I fear yep. that I that I will not be strong. Phone <laughs> <laughs> in will is, help you. It is tricky. It is tricky. But just remember that, I mean, you know, particularly for the fat ducks and things like that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to watch them, but you're not actually helping them out in the longer term. They will actually suffer and have shorter lifespans from it. Um, ducks and geese get um, fatty liver disease really, really easily from extra carbs and things like that. So, um, you know, you have to be cruel to be kind. Just... Get rid of the food and, you know, watch them from a distance. Get a nice set of binoculars. Save the money on the food and put them into a nice set of binoculars and you'll get as much enjoyment. Okay, I'm committing to this. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good job, Gary. Thanks so much. No worries. Talk to you again. Cheers, Gary. Best of luck. It's Pet Chat on 2 and URFM. We've got time. We've talked about our dog of the week, but we've got a cat of the week as well called Sylvester. Now, Sylvester is a super cute cat. As imagined, he is white and black. He has beautiful yellow eyes and he is, um, from the description, clearly his foster care is absolutely besotted with him because the description is very flowery and lovely. But it says that he is a super friendly, um, happy, chill, chilled boy. He's an indoor-only cat, which is what we would always recommend anyway. Um, but he does walk on a harness and he can go outside in the yard to have some outside enrichment time, which is really good. He needs a house where he's going to be inside with older kids. Um, so if you're looking for a nice lap buddy, it sounds like he's a big purr, then uh, have a look at Sylvester. Excellent. Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Catch us again next week. Yes. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.